Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics, the campaign edition here on CPAC. The political leaders are heading into the home stretch of the campaign, coming off last night's one and only English leaders debate. The advance polls are open now through Monday, and there are just 10 days until Election Day, September 20th. So more Canadians are paying attention, and the messaging from the political leaders is getting more focused and more pointed. The next 10 days are all about trying to frame the ballot box question for voters. Coming up, I'll speak with Green Party leader Annamie Paul, who impressed in last night's debate. And journalists will discuss the debate and what to watch for next. But first, the day on the campaign trail. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau took his campaign to Hamilton, Ontario, to an indoor soccer complex. Trudeau played up the party's promise to invest $25 billion in health care services over the next five years including the hiring of 7,500 more family doctors and nurse practitioners. In the leaders' debate last night, Trudeau was under steady attack from his opponents and was mostly unable to launch any sustained attacks of his own. Today he made up for that, ramping up his criticism of the Conservative leader's promises on health care, accusing Aaron O'Toole of misleading Canadians. He talks about a detailed plan on health care of $60 billion over the coming years, except the detail he forgot was the money, because none of that money flows in the first years. And now is when we need the federal government to step up and partner with the provinces on big investments. Trudeau also took issue with what he called an offensive question from debate moderator Shachi Curl to Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet asking why the bloc supports what she called discriminatory laws while still denying that Quebec has a racism problem. Trudeau was asked why he didn't object to the question last night. Quite frankly, I was also taken aback by the assumptions uh, built into that question which are wrong because Quebecers are not racist. Trudeau also announced he will maintain flags on federal buildings at half-mast in recognition of the unmarked graves discovered at former residential schools until Indigenous leaders tell him it's time to raise them again. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole was back on the campaign trail today. At a stop in Mississauga, O'Toole repeated Conservative promises for increased health care funding and to make life more affordable for Canadians. And O'Toole sought to frame the ballot question for voters. So to every Canadian, with just over one week to go, we face a choice. Canada's recovery plan or more of the same? O'Toole was also asked about the question in the debate last night to the bloc leader about discrimination and racism in Quebec. Quebecers are not racist and it's unfair to, to make that sweeping categorization. They made decisions and laws passed by their National Assembly. I will respect that. While the Liberal leader would leave Canadian flags on federal buildings at half-staff to mark unmarked graves at former residential schools until the Indigenous leaders agree they should be raised, Aaron O'Toole says he would raise the flags soon after Canada marks National Truth and Reconciliation Day on September 30th. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh joined supporters in downtown Ottawa before heading to British Columbia to cast a ballot in the advance polls. 
Singh repeated the message he hammered in last night's English language leaders debate, urging voters to turn their backs on the Liberals and Conservatives and vote for real action. But you're not stuck with those two choices. We put to Canadians, you have another choice. Better is possible. But if you want that, you've got to vote for it. But Singh continues to face questions about a platform that promises massive new spending for social programs, but doesn't attach a price tag to those promises. Everyday folks go to work, punch in, punch out their clock, and they, and they pay their fair share. Why is it that billionaires don't? Why is it that wealthy corporations don't? People don't feel good about that. They feel that's wrong, that's a rigged system, and we're going to end it. And by doing that, we're going to be able to invest more into people. So we've been really clear every step of the way. We're not going to cut services to people. We're not going to put more pressure on their shoulders. We're going to make billionaires pay their fair share. Singh promised the fully costed platform will be released on Saturday. Bloc leader Yves-Francois Blanchet cast his ballot in the advance poll today. He slammed other leaders for standing by last night, while he says Quebecers were insulted by the moderator's questions and predicts the debate will sway more voters in Quebec to support a strong bloc presence in the federal parliament. We're all in this together. And one other campaign note. Just ahead of last night's raucous debate, confrontation gave way to cooperation as the party leaders joined together to encourage all Canadians to get vaccinated. Get the shot. And that's the kind of day it's been. Day 27 of the campaign, the final stretch is underway. Well, everyone has their own ideas of whether last night's debate was a useful exercise in democracy or whether it was largely sabotaged by an unworkable format. But there is a consensus around the performance of Green Party leader Annamie Paul. She was a strong presence on the podium as the only woman on the debate stage and the first black and Jewish woman to lead a national party. Many observers viewed her performance as thorough, effective and blunt. I have said before, and I'll say again tonight, that I do not believe that Mr. Trudeau is a real feminist. A feminist doesn't continue to push strong women out of his, um, out of his party uh, when uh, they are just seeking to serve. And I will say their names tonight and thank them. Thank you, Jane Philpott. Thank you, Jody Wilson-Raybould. Thank you, Selena Cesar Chavez, and I'm here tonight thanks to the work that you have done. Ms. I think Paul, it's time for the party to examine its priorities. I think, Ms. Paul, you'll yeah. perhaps understand that I won't take lessons on caucus management from you. And I, think I think what I will keep focused on is making sure that... I acknowledge and I recognize the existence of systemic racism in June 2020. And then, what happened? It became a political tool against Quebec. It became a tool to say Quebec is this and that and racist and xenophobic and all of that. Instead of opening a discussion, trying to find solution, consulting experts, discussing with the First Nations themselves, mm. it became this white society against this other one white society. We build nothing. So the words became toxic. I'm... Sure. What are you Absolutely going to do? open to the idea here, of discussing all of that on a quiet stage without this uh, aggressivity, aggress being aggressive as this debate has become. I actually had to pull my jaw up, which just dropped when I heard what Mr. Blanchet said. I invited Mr. Blanchet to uh, get educated about systemic discrimination. I extend that invitation again. I would be happy to educate him. It's nice to want to educate. This me. is my time, sir. It is. So, nice time to insult people. That was not an insult. It was an invitation to educate yourself.
And Green Party leader Annemi Paul is with me now. Uh, Ms. Paul, good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to speak with me today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, let me first get your impressions of the debate format. A lot of people are talking about that today. And, and where do you think Canadians were well served by last night's one and only English debate of the campaign? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm just not a fan of the format. Uh, I don't know how much the commission had to do with it or if it was a decision of the consortiums, but we had given feedback after the 2019 uh, um, debate that uh, we needed something, I think, just a little calmer, uh, a little less uh, frenetic. And uh, I think it was just maybe a bit hard for people to focus in on any particular issue uh, the way that it was designed. And more importantly, mm -hmm. there should be more debates. Uh, there was just no possibility of covering all of the ground that we needed to, uh, to give people a real understanding of our policies uh, in two hours. Uh, there should be at least a few debates. Okay, uh, you've talked a lot about the need for Parliament to be a more cooperative body. You talked about it again last night in the debate. And, and uh, let me look at uh, some of the, you've, I don't know if you've seen them or not, some of the key clips being played today. You, you accused Justin Trudeau of, of not being a feminist and suggested the bloc leader needs some education on systemic racism. He called that an insult. So how do you think those two exchanges encourage the notion of building cooperation? Well, I think, uh, you know, being cooperative and collaborative doesn't mean that uh, there shouldn't be accountability. And, you know, that was the first topic of the evening, leadership and accountability. Uh, I always want to uh, reach out a hand in understanding. At the same time, it's important uh, to call some things for what they are. Uh, in the case of Mr. Blanchett, I, I, will, I will say, I don't, again, I don't um, know what was said afterward, but I understand he was upset. Mm -hmm. I really uh, was extending a hand in understanding understanding. I think that there are many people that misunderstand what uh, systemic discrimination is, what systemic racism is. Uh, I know our Supreme Court has acknowledged it. The United Nations has acknowledged that we have that in Canada as well. And so I think it's really just a, just a matter of, of having a conversation, and that is an open invitation. Uh, the bloc leader says he took your comments as an insult. And, and did you have a chance to talk to him, or did he approach you after the debate? Has there been any conversation between the two of you? Well, we had very strict COVID restrictions last night, and so there was a staggered arrival and departure. And so, unfortunately, there weren't, there wasn't an opportunity. Uh, but certainly, I have extended, uh, Peter, prior to all of this. I mean, months and months ago, when these issues came up regarding whether there was systemic discrimination in certain provinces, uh, including Quebec, uh, I extended the invitation to Mr. Blanchette uh, to have a conversation with me, with the hope of of explaining a bit of the experience. Of, of those who believe that there is, uh, that's always an open invitation to him. And again, I, I, I was extending the invitation in goodwill and good faith, and hopefully he will uh, see that. You and your party have been in the headlines because of the internal party challenges you've been facing. Uh, what was your objective in the debate when you finally got a chance to appear before a wider audience? Uh, it was to, of course, as the leader of a party, uh, the job is to give people an understanding of our approach to politics, uh, the policies that we think are particularly important at this moment. 
Uh, I was hoping, uh, Peter, also to give people something uh, to feel inspired about as well. Uh, I think there's so much greatness uh, in our country, uh, and uh, we need a political culture that fosters it, particularly at this time. And I was also, of course, very aware of the historic nature of, of being there. Uh, it, as you said, it has taken a lot to arrive here. It wasn't clear that I was going to even make it to the debate stage. And so I really wanted to be a, a, a strong representative. Uh, I hope that there are young people all over the country who didn't see themselves reflected previously that are now thinking maybe one day they can be prime minister or at least be on the debate stage. You've released the party platform, which includes a national pharmacare plan, dental care, child care, free university, a guaranteed livable income, uh, a national long-term care system funded by a federal government. Uh, what will all of these promises cost? So here's what, yes, and we have said all those things because we believe that this is a transformational moment for Canada, that if we are going to do honour to all that has been lost and sacrificed during the pandemic, it means making sure that we're never back in the situation again in the same way. Uh, and so that means completing the unfinished work of, of completing our social safety net. Uh, that is work that we have got uh, to do, and we have everything that we need to do it. Uh, I believe that if Denmark or Finland or Germany can have those universal programs you described, then most certainly we can as well. Uh, we know that uh, investing in people, particularly in a knowledge economy, is the very best thing that we can do uh, for our prosperity. Uh, we know that uh, productivity is increased when people are well-fed, well-housed, and well-educated. And so we're saying it's time to invest in that. We have submitted our, um, our platform for costing, and so we'll have more information for you about that hopefully soon. Okay, you're also promising a 60% cut in greenhouse gas emissions and a carbon tax of $250 a ton by 2030. Uh, that's far higher than anybody else is talking about. And you're also talking about shutting down the fossil fuel industry. How quickly would you shut down fossil fuel production in this country? And what will you do about all those lost jobs? There will, there, this, this, uh, this is one of the misconceptions that we're really hoping, uh, with the help of the other parties, we can, we can, uh, we can dispel once and for all. Uh, we are talking about jobs. This is about jobs, 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 and we're talking about energy sector jobs. The difference is we're talking about energy sector jobs in renewable energy as opposed to the fossil fuel sector. And Peter, the news is just good. It's just good news. Uh, these jobs pay more. The skills that oil workers have are immediately transferable <clears throat> and uh, it doesn't require uh, any additional degrees. About half the jobs in the United States in the green sector are for people with a high school diploma and no more. Uh, so this is the economy of the future. We see all of our international partners moving this way. Everything that you describe in our platform, we have other countries that are, have proposed the same right. thing. But can you tell um, me? So can the jobs are there. The jobs are there. But what's the timeline for shutting down fossil fuel production? Well, you know, every day we're getting more and more alarming news uh, about how quick, uh, about the consequences of not shutting it down quickly. Uh, in Nature, just a couple of days ago, uh, reported in the BBC, uh, they um, they were saying that in fact we need to keep 60% of our fossil fuels uh, in the ground, uh, and that some regions, including ours, uh, should be actually looking to go uh, go offline with fossil fuels. Right, but is it five years, week. ten years, twenty years? What's the well? It's, you know. Part of the answer to that, Peter, will depend upon um, political will and innovation. What we want to see is us moving off of fossil fuels as quickly as possible. We set out a time a timeline um, in our in our platform, and you know we, we see this as the the decade where we need.
need to get off of fossil fuels. If we can do it sooner, we should, because we have been told that we should. Uh, so I would love to I would love to say that we are going to approach this the way that we approach tackling the pandemic, uh, that we are going to make extraordinary things happen as quickly as possible, and that we as we reach the next decade, we have transitioned to renewable energy. Okay, so within the next 10 years. Yes, I would like to see, I, again, I would like to see if that's possible. But again, that requires us getting to work right away in the way that the European Union has committed to doing and the way that uh, the United States uh, is committing to doing. We simply can't do it unless we have a collective political will uh, along the lines of what we saw in okay. the pandemic that we are going to make this happen. All right, Green Party leader, Anna Paul, uh, thanks for your time again today. Good to talk to you. Very good to talk to you as always. Thank you. Well, we have continuing fallout from the English leaders debate last night, anger in Quebec and a campaign in the home stretch with a very uncertain outcome. Let's bring in three colleagues now from the National Press Gallery. Tonda McCharles is a parliamentary reporter with the Toronto Star. Joël Denis Bellavance is the parliamentary bureau chief for La Presse. And Ian Bailey is a parliamentary reporter with the Globe and Mail. It's good to see you all. Thanks for uh, taking time to speak with me tonight. appreciate it. Uh, let's look, let's talk about debates and the stretch run for the election campaign. And Tonda, let me, let me start with you. Uh, what effect do you think last night's debate will have on the outcome of the campaign in terms of opportunities or lost opportunities for the leaders. It was a big moment, but who was able to take advantage of it and who wasn't? Boy, uh, it was a, from my perspective and looking at it through voters' lenses, I think it was a terrible sort of stage for any voter to get clear answers. Who took advantage of that? I would say, uh, on the one hand, Mr. O'Toole survived because I don't think there was a a clean sort of um, attack uh, by Mr. Trudeau on Mr. O'Toole's uh, either platform or credibility in the way that he's been trying to make the case uh, of late. So, uh, look, all he had a big target painted on his back, Mr. Mm. Trudeau did, with all four of his rivals a after him. So uh, in that respect, I think I think we have to concede that Mr. O'Toole kind of comes out a little bit um, on top of that, those exchanges. And uh, I also think there's a second winner in the debate, in a sense, if I if, to use that expression, right. winner. Uh, Monsieur Blanchet, I think he uh, scored some points for his own campaign in Quebec. Uh, Ian, let me let me turn to you. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts on what we saw last night and uh, what it means for the campaign? Well, I don't think the Liberal leader, Mr. Trudeau, got a, a grand chance to sort of talk about or explain in grand terms what a, another term would look like and, that, like, and that may not be great for him. He was on the offense. He did get to punch back at some of the, the um, criticism he took, and so that probably works for him. What struck me about the debate was uh, Ms. Paul of the Green Party. Um, you know, she was very strong, very clear. You know, you look at her performance last night and you kind of wonder how she would have done as a leader of another party. Um, at this point, given the turmoil in the Green Party, it's unclear whether the structure, get out the vote, money, those things are there for the Greens to, or even, frankly, sort of a cohesive, united kind of aspect of the party to make the most of her strong performance last night. But, but those two stood out for me. And Mr. O'Toole, um, I agree with Tonda, he came through pretty much unharmed, got his points out. So it was probably a good night for him as well. Joël, Denis, what are your thoughts? Well, ironically, the Black Québécois leader, Yves-François Blanchet, I think is the winner from a Quebec perspective because he received as a gift from the sky the question on identity politics, namely the secular law in Quebec. And 
a bill in 96 that is a bill that is to protect Quebec, the Quebec language in Quebec. And Mr. Blanchet received the questions and seemed to be uh, taken by surprise by it. But afterwards, all we're talking about is this in Quebec now, because uh, he says that the uh, Quebec was attacked and uh, during that debate. And uh, it, 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 it allowed Mr. Blanchet to bring back identity politics, which he had tried to do at the beginning of the campaign, but failed to do. And now it, I see some wins in the sales of the Bloc Québécois. And the Liberal Party, which had, you know, hoping, was hoping to win about 10 seats away from the Bloc Québécois, I think they can next that uh, ambition today. Yeah, Todd, I think it's, you know, I'm uh, watching the fallout from this today, and it, it's kind of an odd twist that Quebec concerns have now featured more significantly in the English language debate uh, than they might have figured in the French debates because of this anger in Quebec over uh, the moderator's opening question to the bloc leader about mm -hmm. discrimination and racism in Quebec. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, what, what you think uh, the parties can do to adjust to that? What are, what are they thinking today in terms of what that might do to the campaigns in Quebec? Well, look, I think that what it, it shows is not just two parallel universes in terms of these campaigns, but I think it actually does matter, not just in Quebec, but, but for the impact that whatever fallout from that has in the races in Quebec uh, and what, what impact that will have a knock-on effect uh, in terms of who gets to form um, the next minority government. They need seats, both the Conservatives and the Liberals in Quebec. So does the effect of last night serve to um, shore up the Bloc Québécois vote in many ridings? Um, after actually yesterday's uh, outing by Mr. Legault, a lot of people thought, hmm, maybe the Conservatives are going to come out ahead here. But right now, you know, today yeah. I think that the nationalist sentiment is rising. And, and, and so that is going to hurt both the Liberals and the Conservatives to, um, uh, I think, increase the seats they needed to in Quebec in the race for a minority government. Right. It's kind of interesting in that, you know, we uh, we look at the fallout uh, from what's happening here in the province of Quebec uh, with with reaction uh, to the debate and, and what that might mean for the, the party chances there. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, we've seen the um, the, the other party leaders, Mr. Trudeau and uh, Mr. O'Toole uh, in particular, sort of speak out on this uh, uh, situation at the debate last night. Um, we've heard Premier Legault today Mm -hmm. way into the election yet again, and he's uh, quite quite angry and more blunt today perhaps than he was yesterday. So it seems to me this is going to develop in unexpected ways in the days leading to September 20th in Quebec. Um, we'll have to see how this plays out, but but um, it, it's quite a turn, quite an unexpected turn in the debate, um, sort of the, the way that this has worked out, this yeah. little twist uh, at the opening of the debate last night. Just quickly, Joel and e, what are your thoughts on how, I mean, you know, Aaron O'Toole and Justin Trudeau were out today uh, quickly sort of saying that the question was inappropriate, it was a, a bit of an attack on Quebec, but of course the response to that coming out of Quebec and from Mr. Blanchet was, where, where were you last night? Why weren't you saying this last night? Uh, does it look like a, a little bit like they're late uh, late to the uh, Defend Quebec party uh, today. In, according to Yves-François Blanchet, yes, they're late to the party uh, because they should have said what they said this morning, last night, and not in French, but in English. So uh, it, 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 it's a twist that is, I think, just remarkable because, you know, the needle, uh, the um, the um, poll needles was not moving much in Quebec, but this, I think, will has the potential to move the needle very much in Quebec, and not to the Liberals' favor. It's going to go, as Tanda mentioned rightly, the national sentiment will rise. And whatever that does, 
it does serve the more nationalist party. And currently, what is who? Which party is the more national? Obviously, it's the Black Québécois. And I think, uh, Mr. Uh, the, the the headlines coming from the uh, debate last night was strongly, uh, you know, uh, showing that this was a, a, a huge attack on Quebec. And I expect the headlines to continue over the next weekend. And I'm looking forward to seeing the next poll in Quebec conducted uh, after the fall of this debate. Yeah, well, I'll be looking forward to that. Uh, Tonda, it's, it's uh, I, to a lot of people, uh, uh, myself included, it's pretty remarkable that we are just over a week away from voting day. In fact, the advance polls are underway now. And, and Justin mm -hmm. Trudeau is still facing questions uh, again today about, and in the debate last night, why he called the election when he did. Uh, why has it been so hard for him to put that timing question to rest? And what effect does it have on his ability to sell his ideas to the voters? Well, look, I think he continues to face it because I think he struggles to articulate uh, the answer to the question that he posed when he said, um, here are the choices in front of Canadians. Uh, this is the most consequential election. But then I'm not sure he's solidified his answer in a clear, pointed way that pierces through people's uh, you know, fatigue with the pandemic, fatigue with politics, fatigue with politics as usual. And so he's still getting the question because his answer, uh, I guess, is unsatisfactory to a lot of people. Um, look, I think that uh, will we still continue to hear it? Does the mind get more concentrated in the final week when people get into the ballot box either over the weekend or next Monday? Um, you know, will, will mm. the choice that he's trying to put forward crystallize in their minds or will they just be fed up or will they show up? Will there be uh, a great voter antipathy and apathy? Those are huge questions that uh, remain in the last 10 days. Yeah, Ian, I guess to, to Tana's point, uh, we talk about, you know, what will crystallize in the mind of the voters. Uh, I guess the big challenge for the Liberals is will they, you know, crystallize around uh, the, the vision piece as a ballot box issue or will they crystallize around their anger over the timing piece, which is bad news? Well, you know, alone among the parties uh, competing in this election, the Liberals knew when the election was going to come. And when the history of this election is written, it will be, uh, uh, I think, this question of why the Liberals were unable to have a concrete, bulletproof answer for why the election was called, something they could take on the campaign trail, why they didn't have it done before the campaign began is a, is a great mystery in all of this. Um, one thing I'll, I'll be interested to see in this is the ratings for both the French language debate and the English language debate. To see, you know, obviously the, the, the matter with Quebec is going to have a significant effect. But the larger question, I'm curious about how many Canadians were watching this debate, when they watched, they watched the whole thing. All those numbers will be interesting. We don't have them now. Right. They should be coming, I guess, in due course. And that'll be interesting as well in sort of uh, giving us a sense of the impact of this debate. Because it'd be interesting to see how many Canadians watched this two-hour exercise yeah. all the way through. Look, I, I, I think that's going to show up really quickly. By Sunday or Monday, we're going to have polls that will track the voter sentiment from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So we'll know before Monday where that thing landed and what if, in fact, it moved any dials. And you know what? I'm thinking that it's not whether they saw the debate last night. It's whether they've seen clips, they've talked to their friends, right. they've heard mm -hmm. the buzz about it. That's what's going to change. Right. But, and, and Joel, they need the big... I totally agree with you, Tasha, but I'll, I'll be interested also to see how many people actually 
watch this thing. But you're absolutely right. It I was mean, hard. The to ripple watch, effects this will go on. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but the, the importance of the importance of the debate. The importance of the debate. Right. Is that it, it's it's this whole idea of the opportunity it presents, especially in a deadlocked race. This is yeah. the chance for somebody to break out and actually whoever is watching. Here's the vision. Here's why I'm different than that person. And here's why you need or should be voting for me because I can offer you this kind of Canada. But uh, I think we all agree that we didn't really get that last night. So, Joel Denis, quickly, a final word here. What are you watching for in the next uh, final few days of the campaign here? Well, how the situation will evolve in Quebec, because as Tanda mentioned, this will determine the color of the next government. It's going to be a minority government. But if the Black Québécois managed to serve a big way on, on what happened last night, uh, it means trouble for, for at least the Liberal Party. Will they be able to hang on to their seats in Quebec? And maybe trouble for the Conservative Party. Will they be able to make the wins they need also to form government? So a very, very important next few days in Quebec. Uh, as a result of what happened last day in an English debate. That's the irony of it all. I know. Uh, all right. Thank you all. <laughs> thank you all for your uh, perspectives this evening. Uh, good to talk to you all, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Take care, everyone. Have a great Take weekend. Care. Bye-bye. That's all the time we have for this campaign edition of Primetime Politics on CPAC. I'm Peter Van Dusen, and from all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching. Take care.